Say that podcast for your big questions and get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Somebody's going to sue. Also joining us, Jed Brew, director of Mission USA Productions. That was a pretty sweet fanfare, dude. Thanks, pretty man. well. Joining us, Oliver Mergers, Tennessee, one of the Pastor Christ Media Church, Lee Younger. I like that Glenn has stopped acknowledging his presence verbally. He's just goes straight into music. Yeah. We did, and he chose that particular song for a very important point, because we start off, as we rarely do, with an announcement. As following in Glenn's footsteps, I will be traveling to the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland later this summer. So I'll be in London on August about, well, the dates are a little up near at this point, but definitely be in London on August 2nd and 3rd, and in Edinburgh, Scotland, from the 4th through the 7th. So if you're a Say That listener out there and you want to meet up and be pretty disappointed by the whole experience <laughs> in real life, as so many have before you, shoot me an email, matt at missionusa.com. I'll be in those days. And if you're uh, if those days don't work for you, like I said, it might be a little around on either side of that. So let me know. So that first week in August, I will be in London and Edinburgh. What do we think the odds are that Matt will go to the United Kingdom a single man, but return home betrothed. That's happening. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you listeners in behind the curtain. I meant to, uh, sometimes we'll do a little pre-show huddle. And on this one, I meant to say, hey, guys, if you could not make it creepy <laughs> so that any gals want who actually do want to do a meetup for other reasons don't feel weird about that. But that would have been wasted breath anyway. So yes. we're just here. Yeah, well... Here's one of the things that you didn't think about, Matt. What if... That you're horrible, horrible people? What about my feelings, Matt? Right. Don't care. (laughs) You know, We've had that discussion before. I think what you're leaving out is a possibility that someone knows a single person that they want Matt to marry. Yeah. And that they can bring them to that meeting. You're saying they're going to fly them to London? Well, you know, if they happen to be in London. Oh, okay, okay. It's not- we have, we have, I know this to be a fact. We have very excited London fans. I met them last time I was in London. Sure. Are they still excited after meeting you? <laughs> well, you'll find out when you get there, you know. Yeah, Are they going to come to me looking for revenge on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, by any like, chance? You know, you're really normal, not like the other guy. Uh, but uh, uh, we we do have super fans. You do, you're in not London. making that weird face that Glenn makes to sabotage when people want to take pictures with Glenn. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That was a joke for like the seven listeners who've met Glenn. Right. Yeah. I always do a selfie during meetups, and then I I, I act like they're mobbing me, like I'm a famous person that's being mobbed by my fans, and I'm running away in horror uh, when that's really super not the case. Um, But uh, I'm excited. Sure, absolutely. Because uh, there's a lot of people in England... That's true. And they Millions have, of them. Some of them have seen a beard. Right. But they haven't seen a beard like this. Oh, certainly not. <laughs> it's it's going to it's going to blow their their doors, you know? Absolutely. And so we want people li- who listen to this podcast if you're in England, come on over. Absolutely. Because Matt will be there. 
Now, Matt, you know, he, the way I understand the way this works, Matt is going to the UK to pursue love and romance. Right. Not true. Um, You're thinking of the plot of pretty much most movies. And so that'll be, I think, with Cameron Diaz is who he meets when he's over there. Or possibly Kara Knightley. Or Kara Knightley. Right. But does that mean Jack Black is coming here to fill in on the podcast while Matt's in the UK? I think that's, it's one of those switcheroo kind of. Right. Then you guys get Rowan Atkinson. Rowan <laughs> who will be in his Mr. Bean character? It's gonna be a lot of time. physical business for the podcast, yeah. but uh, pretty yeah. good. But uh, I go ahead, Lee. When Matt comes back from the UK, will he, especially after he goes to Edinburgh to meet his people, the people from whence he came, is he going to then speak in a Scottish accent on the podcast for the rest of the time? It could be. It might. It might. You know, he he might go native on it. Here's what here's what I don't appreciate about that is uh, I don't appreciate being conflated with the 19 year old who does study abroad and then comes back and speaks in a Madonna esque British accent <laughs> for the whole next semester. Totally blew my mind. Well, guys, I referring got, to their phone as their mobile. I got a fear. Let's take the tube over to the pub. I got a fear. I right. got a concern. I just you is know, it that your British slang is woefully inadequate? Well, that's definitely, there's much about me that's woefully inadequate, let's be honest. But here's my fear. Here's the thing that concerns me. Right. Is I'm afraid that Matt will go and seek romance in the UK. Well, that's not what's happening, so fear averted. And that he'll find it. Right. But, you know, a lot of these British gals are classy and proper. That is so true. And I'm just afraid that she won't approve of all of us, because how could she? We're barbarians. Well, that's, that's the first sensible thing you've said all day. And I feel like Matt's right. trip is going to just tear this podcast apart. Right, right. And on that basis, I declare a Matt King future romance podcast torn asunder emergency. Wow. Well, it's a good thing we've been talking about this for four minutes before someone said emergency. We've only been doing this for four years, folks. You got to give us a little, <laughs> yeah, give us a little leeway. Did you just prophesy a podcast, Yoko Ono? I did. I prophesied a very um, sophisticated and proper podcast, Yoko Ono. So what? I would like a plum floating in perfume in a man's hat. One number 12. Here's what I'm saying. This is getting so nerdy, even I don't understand your references. But yeah. here's what I'm saying. is <laughs> a Simpsons season four reference. Taking all the way back to 1993. Here's what I'm saying is... Um, and I'd like to now speak to Matt's future Please British, British uh, bride. Yes. You know? Okay, yes, we are American. Yeah. Which is already a lot to handle. Absolutely. Sure. On top of that, specifically, Jed and I are sort of at a Cro-Magnon stage. That's you know? definitely You are wearing true. one of them beer helmets right now. So, you know, it's it, we're way down from what you would call classy. Yeah. We can discuss bacon- and uh, uh, dinosaur movies for like hours. Absolutely. I mean, it can just... and have, and it, while wearing bro tanks and driving jet skis. Totally. This is, this is the American dream. Okay. So we realize it's a lot to take. No question. To you, it's like you, you know your your husband is associating with a pack of monkeys, yep. wild monkeys. And that would make you concerned as to, you know, what sort of influence we would have on him. I understand that. Yeah. Okay. But we, 
we can't help it. Yes. You know, we can't, we can only do so much. Yes. And uh, why do you have to tear us apart? No question. Is is Matt's future podcast, Yoko, just going to sit beside him while we're recording the show? And like after he asks a question, she's just going to look at whoever he asked the question to just really creepily? That that would be uh, a bit off-putting. It seems likely. Well, it's tough to take. Look, I, I want to address, I'm going, I can't decide if it's Catherine or Elizabeth that we want to use as the name here. I, I think uh, uh, probably Priscilla. Pris- oh, it's very good. Very right. good. I just want to talk to Priscilla here for a second. Right. Look, I, I will try to drink tea and eat biscuits. Right. I think that's what you call it. Sure. Right. I, I will, I'm will. i not claiming... I'll eat a biscuit right that's, now. Put that's some, not the same thing as what we mean when we in the South talk about tea and biscuits. Put, put some gravy on that biscuit. <laughs> no. Some iced tea. No, no. I'm talking about a small, fairly bland cookie. Okay. But I will I will attempt to eat it. The English have started wars over less than that. I just, I'll have you know. I will attempt to eat it and um, drink the Earl Grey tea. Right. Um, that I uh, can only assume will be insufficiently sweetened because it's not the South, right. which is the only place that understands sweet tea. Because right. I care about this podcast. And diabetes. Uh, and diabetes. I'm in this podcast, Priscilla. Right. I want to make this thing work. Right. What I want to know is, will you work with me? <laughs> will right. you meet us in the middle? Exactly right. That's I the mean, question. I'll, I'll eat mushy peas. Absolutely. Okay? I'm there. London broil, I'm down. Right. Meat cooked till gray, fine. Worcestershire sauce. Here's what we need to know is, do we have some non-negotiables that that we are saying, you oh. have to have these, like, you have to allow us to shoot off fireworks just at times when we're excited. Going to Chili's and eating melted cheese, that's a deal breaker. We can't compromise on we that. Can't, we can't give that up. That has to that's happen. That's actually true. That's, okay. that's that's the jet fuel that keeps this thing running. Priscilla, I'm not saying you well, have to go. Well, that's more the bomb to our emotional wounds that's that true. keeps this thing running. I'm not saying Priscilla has to go. I'm just saying Priscilla has to let Matt go. That's right. Or everything <laughs> runs aground. That's right. Okay? Right. That's thing one. Uh-huh. Thing two, ribs. Right. Man can't live in a ribless world. Right. Okay? Right. Man, we, we can't, can't all be just highbrow people that just read... Shakespeare and I, I don't really know anything else that's English, but but really intelligent, smart things. Right. Sometimes you just need to eat roasted pork with barbecue sauce on it. Okay? Right. Right. And right. we we need that. Right. Matt needs that. Why are you tearing this family apart, Priscilla? Uh, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna perfectly st- rational response. I'm gonna I'm gonna step in and give give Jed a chance to cool off on this. Sure. We're all very heated. Glenn's gonna all, be the voice of reason. That we're all very well. worked up here. Uh. Uh, I've been to to the England. That's true. Okay, it's still there, which is pretty impressive. I interacted with them. You know, I, we, we, I kind of we. I think most of us expected you to sever what Churchill called the special relationship. Well, you know what it was is um, we did take that American Eagle T-shirt out of your bag before you left. I think that helped. Well, it was one of those things where they were a, a bit amused with me. <laughs> sure, because uh, they thought you were doing a bit. Well, it's 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 sort of like uh, you know when you see a monkey do something a human does, that's adorable. Sure. So it's like that. Glenn, have you been just watching monkey videos on YouTube before you came down <laughs> well, here? You I, seem that, to be stuck on it. That also. But here's the thing: is uh, you know, what we want is for the mat that we all know and love 
to continue to exist. We don't want him to call football something that involves a round ball. Yeah, and your foot, because that's madness. Okay, you, you, what you do is you pick it up and throw it. That's, what you, sure. that's why they call it football. Okay. Totally. So um, that the the you these things we want to always be the same. No question. If you're here in America, America, what you do? Fourth of July, shoot off fireworks. Right. Dang straight. Hot dogs. We don't want to hear. We don't want to hear. Uh, well, we have mixed feelings because colonies. Blah blah blah. Woo, woo, woo. Sausage and explosives is how we express our patriotism. Okay, we're putting also the most popular store in Kentucky. <laughs> We're we're putting uh, uh, raw weenies on the grill, okay? Yeah. And we're shooting off fireworks. That's what's happening. To celebrate that it's America. Right. Okay? Does that give you feelings? Well, you know what? Probably so. You know, do do we say anything on Guy Fawkes Day? No, mainly because neither of you know what that is. But, um, <laughs> you don't say anything. Uh, well, then you're welcome. Yeah, that's how we do international relations. We don't bother Pure to find ignorance. out. ignorance. We, we don't bother to find out what your holiday is, and we let you have that, it. That's disturbingly close to the way this country does international relations. <laughs> that's the thing from the Wachowski Brothers movie, right? Like that's the thing they're referencing with the V for Vendetta. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. No, that's a, that's a real thing. No, no, it's a real thing. But okay. I'm saying that's what they're referencing but, with the thing, yeah. right? Yeah, you, I, thought, you, I was worried you, for saying that you thought V for Vendetta was a riff on Wachowski's thing. No, no, you, no. You, you took the longest possible route to, to Guy Fawkes. You got to speak my nerd language, man. Absolutely right. Absolutely. You, you're there. You yeah. landed. You See, landed I'm on. in it. I know English stuff. Right. You don't scare me, Priscilla. You totally scare me. Please don't hurt me. Please don't. Please See? like me. Please like me. <laughs> The question is, does she know America like we know America? Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Because this, when you're here, it's like if we go over there, we do like you do. Right. You know, because we don't have any choice. Yeah. But when you're here, you know. Oh, what? so Glenn, you did not, when you were in the UK, wear the Apollo Creed outfit and have a boombox <laughs> blasting living in America at all times? <laughs> I, did, I did not. I did well, not. I tried to blend. I'm pretty disappointed then. I tried to blend in and I did not. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I giggled every time people spoke in a British accent because I felt like it was a bit of a a silly sure. put on that they were doing just for me. Did you walk sure. into places and yell, I feel like I'm in the Downton Abbey? It was a lot like that. Yeah. yeah. But here's what I'm well, saying. Well, I can't promise to do any better. If you marry Matt, yeah. you get yeah. the, the, the rest of us. That's exactly right. In many ways, you're you're marrying all of us. Please like us. Please like us. Please like us. On that basis, I declare... Emergency off. That's um, I think a lot of Tumblr posts would be shorter <laughs> if it was just that. Just a little more honest. Just cut to the chase. Just uh, putting that as the caption to every Instagram photo. <laughs> please like this. <laughs> please like please it. Please like me. Please like me. Emergency <laughs> off. Yeah. Well, those dates again, because there was actual information before the unhinged rant, as there sometimes is. The first week of August, the first half of it, so second and the third, I'll be in London. And then from the 5th to the 7th, I'll be, I guess I'll flag out the 7th. So from the 4th to the 6th, I'll be in Edinburgh, Scotland. If you're a Say That fan around those areas and would like to meet up, have some coffee, chat, talk about what you like about the podcast, what you don't like about the podcast, should we should we fire Jed? If he wants to fire Jed, we'll fire Jed. Right, sure. Please like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you can email me, Matt at MissionUSA.com, or find me on any of your various social medias. All right. 
Oh yeah, Bridgebox. We have Bridgebox. It's good. You should sign up for it. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. You help out uh, the children <laughs> and the prisoners. Wow. And did I mention the children? We just, we children. just broken Matt down. He just can't <laughs> yeah. function at this point. Sometimes when I spend three full minutes making hand gestures of wrap up the emergency, yeah. I forget to do the, uh, yeah. the, the bridge it box. Makes right? yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense. Visualize.com slash bridge box. What's, uh, what's July's topic, Jed? We're working on it right now. My friend is discouraged. How do I help? That's right. We've got some good stuff. We've got some guest art from our friend Eric Peters. Probably. <laughs> May have may have uh, not not been sure about the return on the email from Jed before I checked that. We might. We'll have guest art from somebody. Because we can't saying, make art. It's got to be guest. Here's what I understand is we should have art from it's Eric Peterson. It's entirely we, possible. And if we don't, it's really an indication of the kind of man Eric Peterson is. So okay. That's, that's what I'm getting. It's more the indication of uh, at what point in the email chain I tune out. So uh, we've got guest. We've got art. And There'll that be art from point somebody. will be 1730. Yeah. Bridgebox, we've got we got guest contributors. We got Lee is now a songwriter in residence. So a brand new Lee Younger Woo! track every month starting in July. Also music from Jed, preaching for myself and Glenn, all sorts of good stuff. To thank you for supporting our ministry here in Chicago. That's missionusa.com slash bridgebox. We're jumping to our first question here. Comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox and it says, How do you know when he's right for you? Mm. How long should you wait for marriage when it, quote, seems, unquote, right? Glenn, why don't you start us off? Well, uh, 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 how long should you wait for marriage? Uh, Waiting doesn't do anything. Waiting doesn't uh, cause you to be more ready for marriage. So just waiting on on its own is is not uh, any particular virtue. Uh, uh, I think it's a, a very good idea to find out what does God say about this marriage? Yeah. Is, is is he positive about this and so forth? Uh, and to move on to, if, if this is the kind of thing where uh, we're looking at an open door to pursue the next level of that relationship, to take this into something we'd think about being uh, permanent, then we want to really be looking at more practical realities than the spiritual ones. You know, if the, if the Lord is saying this is a, a good fit. This is these are these are two people who could get along. Uh, it's about looking at the 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 money stuff, in law stuff, sex stuff. These are the questions that uh, most uh, marriage counselors ask as they're in the process of getting people ready to get married uh, in the sort of premarital counseling. Uh, and it's okay to get premarital counseling. In fact, when you're in this stage sure. of just we're we're pretty darn sure. Uh, and we'd like to look at whatever issues there are. You can very rarely has a marriage failed for too much counseling. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. And uh, now what you'll find is sort of the need to use a spiritual perspective and spiritual strength and spiritual tools to make those practical things go. So, uh, you know, if I get if I want to be married to this gal and she has some funny ideas about money, and I have other funny, funny ideas, ideas about, about money, money, that's gonna we're gonna set each other off continuously. That's gonna be unpleasant. So can we go to the Lord and find out what the Lord says about that? Find a a good point of compromise for everybody and saying, okay, this is what the Lord wants uh, for me. So. Uh, that we can uh, have the Lord have the last say in yeah. that. 
So we want to look at the nitty-gritty, the, the non-emotional, non-touchy-feely uh, elements mm. of this thing, the living through everyday elements. If we're talking about marriage, that's the stuff that, uh, that will bring a good marriage down. You know, It's not like you just love each other enough that you can both have terrible ideas about finances and it still works out. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not life. So I think uh, it, it really it's about uh, looking at the those real life nitty gritty kind of things. That's absolutely right. And to that point, Lee, I'd like to get you to uh, take a shot at this idea of how long should you wait, and how do you know when you should wait? Because that actually does come down to these more practical considerations, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think some of this stuff is you know as individual as a fingerprint. I mean, I don't think you can say there's this amount of time that you should wait no matter who you are. I think a lot of times one of the things that, and you know, and Glenn was kind of pointing at this is that to, f- to have somebody in your life who you give the right to ask you tough questions, who give, who can give you advice, who can even, who has a strong experienced marriage, who could lead you in some premarital counseling. There's, there's, you know, who would be able to, who'd be able to say, I see this in your life as a big roadblock that you need to get squared away before you look at this question. Um, and if you are, you know, if you feel yourself kind of reticent or unwilling to let somebody in and have that kind of say in your life, that is like super not a good sign. Um, but there are some, there are some important questions, which are, you know, and, and these are questions that I've asked a a lot of couples, which is, you know, I've had, you know, I've sat down with plenty of guys who said, you know, I'm in love with this girl, never want to be away from her for the rest of my life. And I'm going to buy a ring. And, um, and I'll know this young man well enough to say, but you don't have a job. Yeah. And he's like, well, yeah, but I, you know, the, but there's love, you know, so I'm, I'm just going to go with the love and we'll figure out the job later. And, and one of the things that I always tell young men specifically is you hand that ring over to somebody. That's, that's a promise um, that, you know, I'm, I'm devoting my life to you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be there for you. And, um, this is a situation where you need to have a plan. <laughs> you have, need to have a plan in place. How are you going to take care of the you know the things in your life? You need to have a place to live. You need to have a, a way to buy food. You need to have. There are some very specific questions that you need to have some answers on. If you are still massively dependent on someone financially, you know, mom and dad and stuff like that. I would say you you might have found the right person for you, but you are not ready to be married yet, and that's that's a that that's a a big thing that you want to have figured out is do we have a plan where we are going to be financially independent, and do you have somebody that you respect who has the right to ask you tough questions going forward on this? Yeah, that's really a fantastic point, Jed. Why don't you talk to us a little about that attitude of what it takes to get that plan in place? Yeah, yeah. Well, this is the this is the thing. I mean, this is a great question. I'm really glad that you wrote in, and and I know this is serious stuff, and and you want to get it right, and we respect that, and we respect the fact that you're that you're serious about it, and that's the right attitude to have because good marriages are built. Um, uh, I really want you to hear me on that. No one just has a good marriage, yeah. right? Like they're just so compatible and so right for each other, and so Christian that it it just works. Good marriages are built 100 percent of the time. Glenn would say, and he's right, that all marriages, no matter what, start out as complete disasters. Right. I mean, they start out as just, you know, 
the, the train has crashed into, uh, the plane has crashed into the mountain, and now we have to build something out of this and make something functional. That's true in every marriage, without right. exception. Right. Um, there's a common attitude among Christians that if I do things the Christian way, it won't actually require anything of me. Um, it, it'll just, it'll be just so holy and anointed, everything will just work. I guarantee you with marriage, that's not true. The thing is, I, I can tell you the recipe, the guaranteed recipe for um, having a happy, healthy marriage. Find a compatible person where you're pointed in the same direction, you have the same core values, you care about the same things, you, you, know, uh, you know, have similar visions for what you want to do with your lives, and then work all day, every day to serve that person and make sure they're squared away. Yeah. Right. Let me underscore that. Work all day, every day, without exception, no vacations, no breaks, every day, every day, 365 days a year, every day, every day, work with everything you've got to serve that person and make sure they're squared away. Right. If you give it 90% of everything you've got, it will not work. Right. Um, if, you, if you give it... That last 10% will kick you in the behind, dude. If you do it 95% of everything you've got, it'll seem like maybe it's working and then it'll stop. Right. It's going to take 100% of everything you've got all day, every day. And in fact, it's going to take more than what you've got, and you're going to need the Lord's strength. Exactly. Um, but that strength is going, to be, is going to come on top of you giving it everything you've got all day, every day. Now, this is the thing. If you'll do that, if you find that compatible person, and you're willing, both of you, it can't be one of you, it has to be both of you, and you're willing to give it everything you've got, no exceptions all day, every day, the sky's the limit. Right. You can have an amazing marriage, and there's no there's no boundary, there's no obstacle you can't get over. Right. There, there's no That's challenge right. you can't face down. You know, Lee's what Lee's telling you, and he's exactly right, is map out what are the challenges we're facing, and then make a plan to face them. Say we're both broke. We don't have we don't have any money. We don't we don't know what to do with that. Well, if you're both in it to win it, if you're both prepared to do whatever it takes all day every day, you can get over that hurdle. Right. Um, it will involve making a plan. It will involve working that plan. But you can do it. There, you know, if you say, "Look, we're both twenty, and we're in love, and we're right for each other, and we've prayed it up, and we feel like the Lord's leading us, and our parents won't like it, so we're going to be completely on our own, and that's a huge obstacle." But you know, if you're willing to get everything you got, you can make it over that hurdle. You right. you can do that. I think the question you want to ask yourself is, "Are you prepared to make that kind of investment in this person?" Right. If you're not prepared to make that kind of investment in this person, they either are not the one, or they're not the one yet. Right. You're, you're not in a place where you're prepared to get married yet. That's that's whether they're the one or not. I promise you, that's what it takes to have a happy, healthy, godly marriage. And with the right person, you can do that. You have what it takes to do that. And I know you do because you're serious enough to be looking at it now. And just to jump in there real quick is uh, part of what Jed is talking about is having an attitude that a healthy uh, potential marriage, a healthy marriage is one where the more problems we solve, the stronger, the we, stronger get. we are. The mentality that we see from a lot of young Christian couples is the more problems we have to solve, the worse of a fit we are. Exactly the, right. The yeah, worse yeah. of a... The first thing I hear, particularly with newlyweds, when I'm doing couples counseling with newlyweds, or you know, you know, uh, newly marrieds, is we thought we were meant for each other. Yeah, we thought Guess we were not. we thought we were the perfect couple and now we have a problem and it's like what yeah you're like wait a second you know that you it, what you're describing is you ought to be knocking out as many problems as you can yes. and every time you do it you high five each other 
Play a little kissy face, a little Absolutely. bit of you know, reward system there, you know, Absolutely. whatever it is. But you, you say, hey, you know, hey, we, we rock that. You know, we, we are good at We're this. We're a team. We're a we team. We faced it as a team, and yeah. we accomplished it as a team. Yeah, we, th- that's how we do it. Yeah. And then let's, let's take on the next one, where you get almost excited about taking on those challenges. I think it's a great point. One of the things to, uh, to go back to the waiting idea is um, you're not going to get more emotions by waiting around. No. So that shouldn't be the goal. You heard a lot of talk from three very happily me- married men in very strong marriages, and you'll notice that you just feel it so hard. Didn't no. really come up. No. There's kind of a baseline assumption that the emotional part's going to be there. Yeah. So we got that. The compatibility part's going to be there. Now we're going to look at can you be in a marriage with this person or not. And that's what a lot of this waiting is for. And as Jed said, I want to point, I want to underscore this. Just because you're not sure today doesn't mean you got to pull and bail on this entirely. Not it's not the best sign. There are things to be working on. But time will not solve things by itself in this engagement phase. But time gives you the chance to solve things. I think that's a great point. And I think you owe it to yourself to be specific and say, I'm not sure about them today. And here's the area I need to see some evidence in to be sure. And then, this is important, tell them that. Yes, exactly right. Communication, man. Right. Absolutely. All right, move on to our next question here. It came in anonymously on our Tumblr, and it says, On a previous podcast, you warned not to put expectations on yourself or on your children. Could you please elaborate on that? I came from a family of entrepreneurs that expected the best from me, Mm. and I attribute my work ethic, determination, and discipline from that. I can't imagine having my children not be the best they can be. Without being pushed, people are just naturally lazy, mm. inertia, and want to sit on their butt all day. Mental strength is very important. Mm. Bless your heart. We love you if you wrote this question in, but that became um, just random libertarian idea soup towards the end there. <laughs> yeah. Lee, you're a parent. Why don't you start us off? I, I, uh, no, I appreciate the question. It's, we, we, we dig the follow-up questions. That's, that's really cool. Um, if, if I remember correctly, the, the original question had to do with somebody who was really stoked about motivational posters and stuff. Is that right, Matt? Yep. That's correct. And, uh, and so I think the place that I was coming from on this was, um, was basically saying that you want to be really, really careful, especially those of you who have children who are, who are planning to have children one day. You want to be really, really careful to not put pressure on your kids to be, you know, this kind of, uh, you know, to be the the greatest, you know, student in the world, the greatest athlete, to be the best they can be in every single moment of every single day, in every class, in every, you know, you know, in every grade or whatever. Um, and and by in saying that, I'm not at all saying that that we, you know, that we shouldn't. Uh, you know, teach kids how to be human beings. Um, you know, my wife and I are, you know, we, we, we know that, that part of our job in, in raising our kids is to help these, is to help these people, you know, learn what it means that our family is a team. You know, that we don't, you know, that they, they have, they have chores that they have to do and they, you know, we work together on that stuff and, you know, it's one of those deals. We don't we don't yell at our kids and say, "Well, we the reason we had you is so that you could do all this work that that you know that we used to do." The way that the the way that Christy always uh, you know explains this with the kids is, our family is a team, and in order to to uh, to you know to to get where we need to be and to be you know to do the things that the Lord has for us, we all have to work together. And so you know they. 
you know, they learn about work, they learn about cleaning up after themselves, they learn about showing respect to people, they learn how to, you know, sit and at a meal and have a conversation and show respect to our guests and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they, they learn all these things. I mean, there's there's a gigantic difference in, you know, um, in, in, you know, letting your kids grow up as completely entitled couch potatoes covered in video game controllers and Cheetos and stuff like that. And this other thing of expecting them to be the greatest person who's ever lived in the history of the world. Um, Super duper don't do that second thing. Um, One is, and this is kind of the point I was trying to make last time, is every child is different. Every person's personality is different. And this whole thing of, well, if I just... If I just expect the best out of everybody, then that's the key to worldly success. And Ooh. it's super not the key to worldly success. You cannot engineer um, worldly success. In fact, you can't you, you can't know what's gonna what's gonna be the thing that makes it, what's gonna be the company that makes it big, the person that catches all the right breaks or whatever. You can't engineer that kind of stuff. And as a person who's worked with young people, high school, middle school, high school, and college folks for over a decade, I can tell you that this kind of expectation and pressure destroys kids. I mean, it yeah. super, super duper messes them up. And so you want to be very, very careful. There's, it's, it's not realistic to say you have to do your best all the time. Nobody lives like that, man. No, yeah. nobody lives like that. And as a parent, my goal is to, to, is to help our kids learn how to be people, learn how to be respectful, learn about work and learn how to stick through something sucky, you know, and that kind of stuff. But also our goal as parents is that with our kids and their different personalities and everything is to pour out grace and acceptance. Because the thing about, the thing about this is, is that the Lord does not expect you to be the greatest at anything. He doesn't expect this from you. He gives you grace and patience and acceptance and second chances. And as believers, we need all that stuff. I know I need a truckload of that stuff every single day. And I want to treat my kids. I want to treat my friends. I want to treat people that work with me and work for me in the same way. I expect us to to meet certain expectations and not go crazy. But at the same time, I'm going to treat people with a lot of acceptance, a lot of grace, and, uh, and, and, and kind of inculcate this idea that we're on a team together. I have some, a lot of great stuff. Jed, can you speak to this idea of Parenting the way Lee's talking about, which is helping kids to find things they're excited about and passionate about and want to work hard at, and maybe the uh, part of this we're warning against, which is kind of informing them what they are passionate about and want to work hard about. I can definitely do that. I can definitely do that. I'd, real quick, if you're up for a very quick detour on sure. that. One thing, just for the person... could basically be the title of this podcast. Absolutely. One thing, uh, with the person who, who wrote in the um, the the question here... We're really glad you wrote in, and totally. um, we we love actually getting feedback and follow up questions, and we really appreciate that. The thing, and the, if I might catch you out there, especially follow up questions like this, where initially you know, the question we answered was not about child rearing, that yeah. was kind of one thought out there, yeah. and you're taking a different direction. We're thrilled with that. Totally. The thing I, I'd like you to think about, I'm just going to put it out there, is. Um, uh, on, on the streets, there's a, a phrase that we use, and that phrase is, "Are you asking me or are you telling me?" 
Yeah. Mm. Um, because um, I don't know if you're asking me here. It sounds like you're telling me. Mm-hmm. Um, you're telling me how it is. Um, and, you know, if we were having a one-on-one conversation, that's fine. If, if you got stuff you just want to tell me, you think it's how it is. But I don't know that you're actually looking for input. And mm-hmm. here's the thing I want you to think about is, do you need this to be true? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you need it to be true that your family expected a lot of you and that's why you're the sterling individual you are today? Mm-hmm. If you need that to be true, I, I think you owe it to yourself to think about why that is. Uh, and, I, and I encourage you to get with a pastor or a counselor and talk through that, uh, mm-hmm. because I, I think there may be some stuff there for you for you to look at for you, because um, it, it kind of seems like you need it to be true, and it kind of seems like you're telling me as opposed to asking me. And that's fine. That's mm-hmm. that's no problem. But I'd just like to, to make you aware that that's, that's actually kind of the vibe that you've got there. To the thing Matt asked in terms of, of passion, I think the role, and this is actually true in, in a lot of ministry stuff in, in addition to parenting— a lot of what you're trying to do is help people find their passion, find the things that they care about. That doesn't mean find the thing they will be the best in the world at. It's not the same thing. But just find what do you care about, what gets you excited, what makes you feel alive. That's very different from telling people what their passion ought to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- those those aren't the same thing. Maybe this wasn't your experience, and, and you'll forgive me if it wasn't. In a lot of achievement-oriented families... There's a lot of telling children, this is what you will be excited about. Right. This is what we are excited about in this family. Mm-hmm. Um, violin. Right. We do violin in this family. Right. So, you're in, so that you will be excited about violin yeah. now. Well, maybe Timmy doesn't care about violin. Right. Maybe, maybe that doesn't do anything for him. Right. Um, I think um, uh, uh, the thing about, again, about it's just as true of, of ministry as, as it is of parenting the goal is not to craft a little you that right. that fulfills your dreams and ambitions. The goal is to help someone become who God made them to be, help them grow into their own person. Well, that person's going to have unique passions and unique interests and unique desires, and we want to help cultivate them. If you're saying, is it important for people to be in touch with the things they care about and to feel a sense of uh, motivation and whatnot off of that. Yeah, it, it, it is. That's a very, very, very far cry from um, they need to be the best at whatever they do at all times, no right. matter what. That's, right. that's not the same thing. Um, people having passions, having things that they care about is good. It is healthy. We do want to help them uh, do that. What we don't want to do is inform them of what their passions are supposed to be and then tell them what their achievement within those passions is supposed right. to look like. That's a fantastic point. And Glenn, to that point, we have a, an idea we talk about here that who knows where we got this from. I think Jed invented it, that the opposite of a bad idea is another bad idea. Glenn invented <laughs> it. That's just a really fun way to needle him. Um, but there's this concept of, so if you were raised a certain way, which I'm kind of with Jed, I think maybe this person was, and you hear, don't push your kids then your brain turns that into, oh, so what, I'm just supposed to let them sit around and eat cheeseburgers all day? Not, But right. we're not talking about no expectations. That's not a way to parent. We're talking about healthy expectations. That's exactly right. Um, we need to have realistic and healthy expectations of our kids. Uh, but as, as Matt is pointing out, that is a far, far cry from writing a script for your kids to follow. As, as And Joe was describing there at the end there this idea of, we're on this, so you're on this. That's what we do. This, this is our dream for you, and you do Go it fulfill now. it. Yeah, that's that's actually you haven't you 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 you've uh, made a copy of you or endeavored to make a copy of you, and uh, uh, why would you do that? Yeah, uh, what makes you so awesome? 
Uh, and uh, why do you think I would be pleased with that? Why do you think the child would be pleased with that? Uh, don't don't think I understand that at all. Also, this idea of being the best. Um, I super don't like that. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of people that are the best that are miserable. Yeah, yeah. That and that, super uncool. Uh, super uncool. Don't don't have the respect of their peers or a love of a good spouse. Uh, they're not fulfilled and they're not honoring God with their life. Well, dude, you know what's funny about that? We got to be the best thing is no one ever asked the question and then, yeah. right? You're going to be the best and then and then what? And then what what well, happens then? Yeah. You know, uh, you know. Uh, uh, well, you, you know, you have to get this uh, amazing job. Why is that? Well, so you can get the money. Why is that? You know, it, you 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 ask these questions that never really lands on anything. Yeah. You know, you 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 do all these things and you'll you'll be happy. Well, okay, but isn't that a choice? And it's a choice I can make right now. Yeah. I could. I feel like I could be incredibly happy if I owned a a a shack on a beach where I rented scuba equipment yeah. to tourists. Uh, that feels like I could be really super happy doing that from like nine to five. Sure. And then, you know, d- drinking margaritas and sitting on the beach the rest of the time. That feels like, uh, you know, I, I guess I could be the best at that or something, but that wouldn't really seem to make a whole lot of difference. How many school locations you got, bro? You expanding, bro? Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> the 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 idea of sort of the the best is, uh, and and also when you say best, what what I've sensed that you mean is, uh, being the best they can be. What 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 I sense you mean is being as successful mm. as you could be. Cause that's kind of what you're referencing mm. with the rest of the question. Uh, the thing about being successful is again, it, it does not equate to happiness. It does not lead to happiness. Right. Uh, some of the most un, uh, unhappy people I know are successful as all get out. They've sacrificed healthy family relationships. They have sacrificed a healthy relationship with God in order to be successful. That's uh, they, they have in, in a sense, uh, 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 forfeited their own soul in order to gain all of these uh, uh, worldly goods. You that know? sounds familiar. I feel like I've heard like, that well, somewhere. Would it profit a man if he, you know, gained the whole world? It's probably one of those management books I read. Probably so. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, here's here's where here's where I'm going to pull this together. When I'm I'm listening to Lee talk about this, and what Lee's talking about in the way that he raises his kids is character. Yep. Uh-huh. Sure. He's building character into these people. He's not building a work ethic into right. them. Because what would that be anyway? I mean, you talk about shallow and unimportant. Yep. You know, you must be a good worker. I mean, what what is that really? Also, I know people who work their behind off Come aren't on. the least bit successful. That's right, you know? dude. There's also no such thing as a universal work ethic. Yeah, just yeah. I will I will work equally hard at all things in all circumstances. Right. That that doesn't exist, man. Exactly right. You know, now Lee is raising his kids to to tell them, you know, whatever you put your hand to, you work as if it's unto the Lord. You know, so if you're babysitting for this family, you take care of those kids as if God's watching you, and you want to do it to the fullest. Even if they don't appreciate you, even if they don't pay you well, even if uh, you don't like the kid you're babysitting or something like that, even if you don't feel like doing a good job, uh, it's important that you give it your all and whatever. But that's not work ethic the way that's being lined out. That's character. That's saying this is the kind of family we are. These are the kind of people we are. 
that me you know we as a family are uh have a drive a sense of drive and we as a family have a sense of following through we have a sense of of doing things to completion finishing strong on the things that we set out to do uh we don't do things uh haphazardly we don't do things in a lazy fashion uh, but we do things with a sense of character. We're, we're honest in the things that we do. We do things uh, in a way that are uh, that have integrity. Mm-hmm. You know, if I if I work and and the and the boss comes to me and says, "Why don't you fudge the numbers on this report?" You tell that boss no, and and it doesn't matter if you lose that job. If you lose a job for having integrity, and you are suddenly unsuccessful yep. in what you do. And you get fired, and you have no money, but you did it because of integrity and character. You come to my house, as long as there's food on my table, you're going to have, and you're my child, you're going to have food to eat because you did the right Right. thing. That's character. Uh, And we definitely want to build as much character as we can into people. What you're really talking about is something much more shallow and narrower and less, much less important, which is a work ethic. Absolutely. Yeah. One more thing on this. Yeah. Thing? Just a, a a real quick story. And and we had uh, with with one of our children, we had a meeting at the elementary school. They wanted to bring us in because they 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 said, you know, based on some testing and stuff like that, we think your kid might uh might you know maybe could be a part of this this kind of like gifted program at the school. And we just said, um, uh, you know, they're 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 not. But it's you know it's uh, we we know the you know, the nature of the program you're talking about. It's, it's, uh, we can have the meeting if you want to. They had the, you know, they did the testing, they had the meeting and we go into this meeting, into this conference room and they had the principal of the school and the classroom teacher and there was the gifted teacher and everything. And they said, you know, after doing the testing and they got, they started whispering, we just wanted to let you know that we actually don't think that your child qualifies for the gifted program. And, uh, and Christy and I just said, yeah, we, we, we knew. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's totally cool. What, whatever. And they were like, "Wait, you're not upset?" And we were like, "No, no, 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 we're not upset." And they said, "Well, um, usually, uh, that's you know, that's odd because usually these meetings involve a lot of yelling, and uh, <laughs> and people usually get really upset when we deliver this kind of news." And we said, "No, no, no. That the only thing that we want to know is like in the classroom, like, is she kind? You know, is mm-hmm. is she a good friend?" And these are the things that right. we want to talk. And when we do the parent-teacher conferences, these are the questions we have. And right. the thing is, when, when our kids do well, like when they, they score well on a test or they do well in a sporting thing or something like that, we tell them, hey, you should, you, you know, you should enjoy this moment. You, you did well. You, that, that's awesome. And, but we always have a right. phrase that we say to them, which is, that is so great. But you know this is not why I love you, right? right. I don't love you because you got a blue ribbon. I love you because you're mine. I love you because God gave you to me. You're a gift to me. And uh, no, no matter what you do, I, I celebrate that with you, but I love you because you're mine. And within this, within this, uh, you know, this, this thing where, where grace and acceptance are kind of reigning over all of it, the things that we celebrate in our home are kindness and service and generosity, gratitude, those kinds of things. These are the, th- these are the things that we're heavy on. And, uh, and we, we want to learn how to be kind to each other, how to take care of each other, how to recognize needs and address them. These are the things that we celebrate. Now, if they score a goal in the thing, you know, great job. Hope that was fun for you. Enjoy that moment. Um, that's not why I love you. 
I want you to know that. Um, The reason I bring up that story and bring up these things is there's nothing wrong with saying, I want to really, I want to really be directed, uh, you know, and, and really be proactive about the way that I raise my kids and, and, and uh, you know, making certain goals and stuff like that. That's great. It's just make them things that matter in eternity. So make them things about these people that are going to matter 500 years from now. And so, the, you know, that's why we major on the kindness, the service, the generosity, that kind of stuff, and pour grace over the whole thing. That's absolutely a fantastic point. It's a really good way to draw that all together. I would uh, kind of touch on some things we close out here to go back to kind of uh, something Jed mentioned at the beginning of his answer. Um, there's a couple of red flags in your question here, friend, and um, maybe other people aren't going to point them out to you. So your old friends in the Say That podcast are going to. Again, these are, solid. these are some assumptions, granted, but they're assumptions based on years of uh, dealing with people. So... When you first of all, the first one is I come from a family of entrepreneurs. No, you don't. No one does. Yeah, there may be an entrepreneur in there who did very well, and that's great. That's to be. But the idea of people who just know how to make businesses work because they work so hard it's actually not a thing. Yeah, no. nine out of ten startup businesses fail. Yeah, hard. Yeah. So this idea of there's I just work so hard that I make business work that's not a thing. Yep. Now, maybe there's someone there or maybe a couple people, hey, we had an idea and we spun it, we invested smartly. All that's great, but right. that's not my family has a special level of work and determination right. that makes everything go that I will now bequeath to this child. The other thing on that is I attribute my work ethic, determination, and discipline from the way I was raised. There's a, a fallacy, a logical fallacy called the post hoc fallacy. It's from a Latin phrase. That's right, Latin. Deal yeah. With it was post hoc ergo propter hoc, which means after it, therefore because of it. So the simplest explanation of this is the rooster crows every day before the sun rises. Therefore, rooster crowing makes sunrise. Yeah. It leads to say, I like the way I grew up. I like my work ethic. I like the determination. That's all great. Maybe at one point you say, I have been successful and there is this way I was raised and the raising came before the success. Therefore, the way someone gets successful is to be raised exactly like I was. Okay. No part of that is necessarily true. Again, we're not trying to read your mail. Don't know how you're raised. No part of that's necessarily true. I will say this. The people in this world I know who think they had the best childhood have childhoods that horrify me. Yeah. (laughs) That's from the people we work with at the bridge who Mm -hmm. you would not believe the stories of how they're raised. And you will hear stories of horrific neglect and abuse end with, I just love mama. Yeah. Right. She just did. She did everything right. And you're trying to keep a straight face so you can get stabbed for say for indicating something mean about mama but come on and i've done plenty of work in the suburbs that extends out there yep absolutely so it's great that you love your parents it's great that you think they did a good job but that's not the one way to look at it and the other thing like this is you say you know i attribute my hard my work ethic determination and discipline to the way i was raised jesus didn't give a crap about any of that right in and of itself Right. Hard work ethic, discipline, determination are all great things. If they're pointed towards, like we talked about in the last episode, the thing that, that God is calling you to, those are all right. virtues if they're used in a way God wants to use them towards an end yeah. God wants for you. Yeah. Now that, it, that end could be very humble. That process of the way God wants you to use could not look very successful. So you have to find that. But this is a, that's a, you're conflating... I was raised to have a very Western American Protestant work ethic, which again, there's nothing inherently wrong with, but there's absolutely nothing holy about that. Yeah, right. So you got to get it clear. And as Leah's pointing out, if you want to raise your kids up to follow the Lord, there are probably some things you should focus on instead of things like 
work ethic and discipline yeah. and determination. And not that you don't want to give your kids that, but they are under this greater idea of kind of grace and service. All right. So we're going to jump to the last question here. It says, I live alone and I struggle a lot with pornography and masturbation. You really don't normally get the one without the other. Sure. Absolutely. They tend to go together. Whenever I try to stop, I last about a week at most, and I can't stop myself. It seems as if the littlest thing can set me off, and my fantasy takes hold and runs wild. How do I get over my addiction? Jed, why don't you start us off? Um, I can do that. Well, um, bro, I, I actually, man, I, I think you're doing a lot better than you think you are. I yeah. mean, um, you're saying I, I don't want this to There's be... some people out there who would cut off their left hand to go a week. Absolutely. I, I don't want this to be in my life, and so I'm going to try and do something about it, and I, I go a week without doing it. That's amazing. That's, that's pretty good, man. That's, that's, that's incredible. Is that where we want to stop? No, but that's... It's better than six days. Um, you know, and, and here's the key thing, man, is you've got the heart to see things change. And that's the part that really matters. Um, you, you, you do want to add some wisdom in, and that's why you've written in here, and that's great. But without the, the heart to change it, nothing's going to change. So I, I think you're actually doing a lot better than you think you are. The other thing, and I, I know you know this, but I think you need to hear me say this out loud. You're not alone. Um, one of the, particularly in the church, man, one of the great lies is you're the only one <laughs> right, right, in this right. entire church. You're the only one. Right, right. Here's what I'm telling you. There's a guy named George Barna, and he basically is a statistician for stuff that relates to the church and Christianity. That's his whole thing. He's a cool dude. Does a lot of good work. This, at this point, was about 13 years ago, so it would be much worse today. He did a survey of explicit sexual content online and found, I believe it was 9 in 10 pastors admitted to accessing pornographic material online in the last month. Right. I want to repeat that for a second. 9 in 10 pastors. Right. In the last month had looked at porn online. And that was 13 years ago. I, I guarantee you it's more prevalent today than it was then. You're not alone. Mm -hmm. Functionally speaking, mathematically speaking, everybody is struggling with this. Mm -hmm. Everybody, everybody, everybody. And before we get to the solution, we want to be clear. It makes sense, dude. You are, I assume if you listen to this podcast, you're a young person. You are a single person. You have, uh, very naturally, you have sexual desires. And you have a a channel that brings in anything you want to see into your home 24 hours a day in any variation you could ask for. You say that you live alone, so you don't have to worry about a roommate. It's just whatever you want to. Dude, how do you think that's going to work out? Right. I, I say, you know, we, we feel you, man. We It makes sense. It tracks. I, I'd like to suggest one thing to you that I, I it seems like maybe isn't on your radar. And again, this is something you can do. You're already doing good. This is just something to take it in a new direction. Most of the time, if we want to look at removing something from our lives, then we need at the same time to be adding something new to our lives. Mm-hmm. It's it's very rare that um, we can just cut something out of our lives without anything filling that space. That, that actually, human beings don't work very well that, that kind of creates a vacuum and as you may know nature abhors a vacuum that just that just doesn't work well i, I want to challenge one thing that you said you said how do i get over my addiction i don't think you have an addiction right. um i i think that we work with addicts um of a variety of stripes including people with sexual dysfunctions i don't think that you have an addiction if you have a job and a bank account and friends, you don't have an addiction. Yeah, um, I, I think um, you know what you what you have is a sex drive, 
and right. um, a way to do something about that, and you're not sure what to do with that. And that mm-hmm. that makes sense. That that tracks. Given that we're not dealing with a crisis-level situation, because we're not, that we're not dealing with an addiction situation where we need professional help, what we need is something new. And so here's the thing I want to ask you is, what do you want to be doing instead of pornography? Uh-huh. The time that you're currently putting into pornography and feeling guilty about pornography, which is way more time than you're spending on the pornography, what do you want to do? World's right. your oyster, man. Anything you want. What You've always wanted to go see Paris. Go see Paris. You've always right. wanted to pitch in and help out with the Special Olympics. Pitch in and help out with the Special Olympics. Right. What you've got passions, you've got interests, you've got things that you want to do. Start living that life, man. If you're hot, here's the deepest tragedy of sitting in your room looking at naked pictures online. You're sitting in your room looking at naked pictures online. Right, right. That's really sad and depressing, man. Right. I want to suggest one thing that should be on your list of the stuff you're going to add into your life, and that is getting to know actual women yes. and going on dates. Yes, exactly that. Let me repeat yes. that. Getting to know actual women yes. and going on dates. Three-dimensional women. Three-dimensional women. <laughs> analog um, women. Analog women. Say, yeah, not three-dimensional in Oculus Rift way. <laughs> right, that's right. You have a sex drive. God gave you a sex drive. God thinks sex is good. God has a plan to fulfill your sex drive in a good and healthy way. We need to start walking in that direction. That direction isn't going to be through the computer screen. That direction is going to be dealing with actual human beings. So I want to encourage you to put that on your list. Start figuring out what kind of life do I want to live. And again, not just with the dating, but the dating should definitely be a part of that. Right. We want to live a new life. Yes, we do want to take the porn out of the life. But we want to add in new things as well that are good and happy and exciting, including dating actual women. Absolutely right. Lee, do you have any other practical ideas on that front? Yeah, for us? just a few really practical things. One, um, real quick. Uh, is there, have you thought about not living alone? Uh, have you thought about getting a good roommate who is a good friend who can help you and, you know, uh, one, just kind of cut down the massive amounts of alone time that you have to battle on this thing. Somebody to talk to, somebody to hang out with, that kind of thing. The other thing, um, I would say is, um, and this is just a super practical thing is, um, the next time it happens, cause it's going to happen again, I hate to break it to you. The next time it happens, um, stop everything and analyze the situation. Why did that happen? Um, was I, was I, you know, because I think uh, one mistake that we all make is, well, I was horny. Therefore I masturbated to pornography. It's not always like that. In fact, um, in, in a lot of the folks that I talk to, um, who are, you know, dealing with this and trying to fight through this deal, um, when they actually think about the circumstances, it has a lot to do with different things like, I mean, well, here's a great example. A lot of people go to pornography and masturbation after something has happened where they feel like a failure. Sure. Like they, you know, they had a plan. It didn't come through. Um, they had a situation where they said something, they felt embarrassed in a crowd, and then they ran to that. Um, now that's a that's that is one of those that's that's an interesting situation that you wouldn't assume that you know embarrassment leads to uh, you know a date with pornography later. Um, but what what happens when you when you actually you know you you have a situation with pornography masturbation and then you ask yourself the question when everything's over. You ask yourself the question, why did that happen? Was it because I was super tired? Was it because I was extremely bored? Was it because I was embarrassed or because I was depressed or I felt like a failure? Now, 
whatever those causes are, what can we substitute in to, to be a new coping mechanism for that thing? So, right. um, I'm, I am, I am really bored and I, I don't want to, I don't know what to do with this particular kind of energy that I've got. Have you tried, uh, you know, uh, going for a jog? Um, no, I've never really done that. I've never really liked that. Let's try it. Let's try some sort of physical exercise. Um, well, I feel super embarrassed because of this thing that happened in this class. Okay. Call up one of your friends who just loves you, go get some coffee and just tell the whole story, laugh about it together and have the dude tell you, man, the same thing happened to me last month. Doesn't that suck? But we made it. We're okay. And the whole thing looks different. So what we want to do is find out exactly why it happened and try to put a different coping mechanism into that situation. So that's just a super practical thing. And I think the reason, and here's what's stopping you from doing that is you just feel so ashamed. You don't want to look at it. You want to pretend it never happened. Right, right. Forget about the shame of it and just go ahead and and just clinically, coldly look at why did I do that and ask the Lord, yeah. help me understand, Lord, why did I do that thing? You You know that I did it. Help me understand why I did it so that and, and help me come up with a strategy for next time that I feel that way because my brain is going to go back to that same depression or that same exhaustion or that same embarrassment again in a few days for some other cause. So what can I do differently strategically to deal with that particular trigger? That's a fantastic point. I'm glad I'd like you to talk to this idea of kind of identifying the weakness and working with that, because I think our our friend points out the weakness in the question with the thought life idea. Absolutely right. Uh, that's the thing is he's looking at masturbation as the thing he's measuring. Yeah, I'm doing this and I'm doing it. I can't go this long without going back to it, so on and so forth. And that's what we're measuring. But then he's saying. I see this one picture, this one thing, and my imagination is off and running, and then boom, mm-hmm. I had I, I'm I'm I, I've fallen off of my commitment, and so on and so forth. Well, okay, then if if the thought life element of this is the problem, why isn't that what we're measuring? You know, mm-hmm. why 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 are we why are we measuring? I mean, it's it, it's it, uh, uh, you know a physical behavior like masturbation is easy to track. We can assign a numerical value to how often it's happened or how long it's been since we did the last time. But uh, thought life is really where this whole thing should be, right? Sure. You know, uh, Jed was suggesting that you meet an actual human female woman person, human being person and date them, which I super agree with. And here's the thing. If you were married to that person, all of these sexual desires would be great. Sure. Having a sexual imagination, having a a passion, having, you know, uh, it would be bad if you were not easily aroused if you were married. That would be bad. That would be, you know, that would... would, uh, 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 create a lack of quality sex life, which would lead to a lack of intimacy in your in your marriage, and that would that would not be good at all. What you're doing, the 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 kind of person that you are, the kind of sexual person you are, would be great within the con within the context of marriage, but uh, given that we're not in that and may not be moving towards it, that that there may be the problem. However, here's the thing. 
the thought life control does need to be there. Absolutely. Because when you get married, you need to be focused on the that one woman, yep. not all of the women. Yep. Uh, and learning how to think through that is important, you know. Uh, you know, I before Jed got married, I said, now, now here's the thing, Jed, is you'll notice, even after you get married, you'll notice that there's other attractive women in the perimeter, okay? <laughs> but here's the thing I want you to do. Again, this is a thought life strategy. In your mind, go back to the last discussion you had over in-laws, over uh, household pets, over uh, 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 money. Every fight, everything we've had to work out every, in the last six months. Yeah, and just take all that, bring that up in your mind, and ma- imagine starting all over again Yeah, with another one. Jed got to look at his face like, ah, I'm cured. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's a way of recognizing all relationships take work yes. and you've invested in this relationship. That's why it's important to you. That's why it should be the, a singular importance, you know, uh, that you recognize there are other women who have, you know, pleasant features or something like that, but, but they don't become attractive to you because you recognize there's all sorts of baggage and headaches that would come with that situation that you don't have at home, that there's love and there's understanding, there's respect, there's appreciation. That's a thought life exercise. It's a thought life strategy that changes how you're able to face temptation. That's what you need here. So what does that look like? Well, you tell me, a lot of this stuff is so individual, it's hard for us to recommend, but I think that might be, uh, you know, you know, learning about the porn industry and how these women are treated, what goes on there. It might be uh, a prayer thing where you, before you uh, watch that stuff, you just say, Lord, I just want to thank you. That's yeah. all. I want to count my blessings and thank you for each and every one of them. Uh, I don't want to fall off. I'm lonely. I'm tired. I'm strung out. And, and this is all I know to do. But before I do that, I just want to thank you. And here's what you're going to find out is, by the time you get to that prayer, you're not going to be inclined to fall off. As, as Lee was saying, uh, develop a strategy where you, you have friends that you call, where you say, I'm, I'm having a rough night. You don't have to tell everybody everything either if you can't trust them. So I'm just having a rough night, man. Can we go shoot some hoops? Can we go get a cup of coffee? Can we get some ice cream? Uh, I'm just, I'm not in a good place right now. And... That those sort of strategies, I think, will allow you to succeed. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna end where Jed began, which is going seven days is significant. It's important. It's good. We celebrate it. No you doubt. should celebrate it. Let's go for eight days next time and call that progress. Well, again, that is that is in itself a thought life thing. Of yeah. are you going to see your seven days as a massive failure or yep. as some success that's, you can build on? That's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. the kind of thing we're looking at here. Is if your thoughts about things are the are the problem, then we can judo that in all sorts of ways. One thing you may want to look at is if you know you can make it seven days, you may want to ask, what can you build in seven days? Sure. In other words, okay. if you've got seven days where the guilt's not eating you alive and you're not spending hours on the computer and whatnot, 
what can you build during those seven days? What can you put right. in place? What kind of structure can you set up for yourself? Because then you're money ahead. Sure, you may backslide on the actual temptation piece, but you've got a platform to go back to. And what what do you have a seven-day supply of that you don't have an eighth-day supply of? There you go. Exactly As right. Glenn say, is that thankfulness? Is that rest? Is that whatever? Because, again, what all these guys are pointing to and the place we want to land on this is when you get the guilt and shame out of the way, because that's what the cycle about. You're talking about, I feel like it's an addiction, you're probably not addicted to pornographers. We're saying if you haven't run up massive credit card debt looking right. at websites, you don't actually have a clinical definition of addiction to pornography. But one of the things pornography does have in common with a lot of the addictive cycles we see is that crest, that hills and valleys that the pornography is not giving you. The shame and guilt are the yeah. roller coaster ride. Right. So if you can just, as Glenn's saying, in the thought experiment, just dis- extract the guilt and shame from it. Yeah. And then look at it. It's going to look a lot different in the daylight, and you're going to actually be able to build some strategies around that. So, as Glenn, whether you know the thing you say before it, I'm going to give you a thing to say after it, which is, "All right, God, I did that. I know I'm forgiven, and um, yeah. let's just close the book on that. I'm not mm-hmm. going to talk about this specific. The, the the shame and the guilt of this specific instance is gone. Absolutely yeah. right. Now it's over, and now we just have the instance itself to look at." To to that point, I, would, I, I it it'd be a weird way to do it, but I would bet you cash money if we if we went to the same individual and said, you can masturbate exactly once a week, no problem, no we nothing. We found a loophole in the Bible. It's a loophole once a week. That's it. Here's what would happen at the end of the week. He'd say, "Yeah, I don't need to." Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I it, it, when I couldn't, I had I, to. I had to. Now that I can. I I'll just keep on saving it up. Yeah, and that's the thing is it, it you by the the guilt of it the the lack of having it whatever you get wound up in that yeah absolutely right if you have a question for us say that podcast at gmail dot com the bridge chicago We're gonna take you out with a uh, we actually did an entire bridge box about moving past lust and one of the songs out of that was this uh, track by the Pool House Guru which is Psalm one forty one four which is a really good thing to have in your brain and this gives you a beat. To help do that so thanks for listening just remember we love you god loves you there's nothing you can do about it say that podcast we're sending a single map out to you and we're counting on you to do the rest nice Thank you.